details here. Love Talk Radio. about a, a specific trauma that I went through 
when I was nine years old, and I, I shared that with him um, this evening before I came online. So more so what I want to talk about is children who suffer trauma and, and more so, excuse me, that even when that person is going through the healing process or even been healed, that you got to understand when they suffer trauma, they go through different things. Some trauma can cause a child to have a phobia. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Some trauma can be a trigger. It could be the smell of the person that uh, had traumatized you, a certain cologne or a perfume if, if, it's, if it's a woman predator. It could be in that if that person it be an adult, and they share stuff from their past. And, you know, you hear some people say, and I'm not saying, I'm, let me say this. What I'm about to say, he didn't say that, okay? It just came to my thought that I have experienced talking to uh, victims who said they shut down because whenever they try to share their story, the person will say, well, you're an adult now. Aren't you over it? Let me explain something to you. We can, we we here can be, Either some of us are on our healing process, some of us are healed, but whenever we get a memory and we talk about it, that's something that's never going to go away. I, I mean, the, what I experience, I mean, would I say I'm healed? Yes, and I'm still healing. But God is using me in a mighty way to go forth and to go out and to talk to many, many people that are out here in the streets, homeless, people that are in prison locked up and bound, even some people that I have, you know, some of my patients that I have, you don't never get over memories when memories come back to you. I say to a person that for me, when I share, it's a healing process for me because it used to be a time where I couldn't share anything about what happened to me. I, I may believe, I may believe for 10 years being locked in prison in my mind, and isolated at home, you know about that, Carol, that uh, I shut down. I didn't want to talk about it because when I did try to, I was shut down. So I locked myself up in my own mind in a prison, and I dealt with all those memories by myself, you know. And Mm -hmm. when it got overwhelming, you know, I would medicate. So I just threw that out there. But whatever you choose or... Our sister, the Lord, that's here, you know, you pick a topic. But I was just sharing what I was talking about before I came on the show, actually. So, and that's been on my mind because I've been talking to certain people that I had a young lady, matter of fact, and I'll be done in a second. She called me yesterday, you know, and she was like, you know, Michelle, I thank you for helping me all these years. She said, but I just thought, you know, I had a, a memory. She said she was awake. She was at work. And she had to literally get up off of her desk and go into the bathroom. It was a flashback. And it was so vivid, you know, and it shook her, you know. So she called me in the bath where she was in the bathroom. And, and I, she was crying, I mean. And I just prayed with her over the phone and I talked her down. And she was able, it took about 20 minutes. She's a manager of her job, so it wasn't like she was late getting back or anything like that. But she had to calm herself down in order for her to continue to go back to work. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. Now, over the past two weeks, maybe in the night hour, I get all these wild <laughs> telephone calls. And mm-hmm. 
a lot of things have been coming out, and this is so strange, Michelle, because um, I came down with what I've got. I don't know what it is, but I feel sick as a dog. But I'm going to tell mm. you what. Um, flashbacks is exactly the topic that I was going to choose tonight. So there you go. Oh, well, let's do that. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good that? topic. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now I've been working on this topic for the last two days. And because uh, I do a lot of, of research, you know, and uh, of course, we can all, many of us, yeah, I know. But it's okay because we're, we're teaching people all this stuff, you know. Yeah. And they need to know it. And since that's mm-hmm. been coming in, you know, like um, for two weeks where people have been talking about regressing, you know, going backwards and also, too, having so many, many flashbacks and they want to know where they come from, why are they having these, you know, flashbacks and, and all this other stuff. Some people are actually having a cluster effect of, uh, of flashbacks. I forget who I was talking mm-hmm. to. I talked to so many people that um, it wasn't like one at a time. It's like maybe they'd have four or five throughout the course of the day. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that's uh, very uncomfortable. And one thing I always tell people when they have these flashbacks, it's the mind like, um, you know, saying, okay, it's time for now to address these matters. And um, they feel like the person can. Because don't forget, the mind sort of like uh, pulls a blanket. I like to call it like the blankie, okay, up over areas mm-hmm. of your brain. And that's where you suppress a lot of your feelings from. And, uh, and, and you have flashbacks that all of a sudden then start coming through. It can come through mm-hmm. one at a time. Or it can come to a whole bunch. And you see, um, when you were saying that we don't really heal, we heal, yes, and we can certainly um, move forward. And there's a lot of people that we can, um, you know, work with. We do it all the time, many of us on on, uh, on NASCA, because yeah. um, we've gotten to the point in our life where we are able, you know, to help people. But one thing I want to talk about, since we're bringing it up here, and this comes from Health, H-E-A-L-T-H dot mil. Now, this is 2021. So you see it's current. That's current enough. It's uh, health dot mil. And uh, talk a little bit about the strategies for coping with flashbacks and, and the solutions. A lot of times people have problems and there's no solutions. And then they walk away and they're not feeling so hot because they didn't get what they wanted. But in this particular um, research that I was doing, it does talk about, you know, flashbacks and solutions and how to handle it, how to cope with it. So mm-hmm. I think it's a, a good thing to talk about. Flashbacks happen when you feel like you are reliving a traumatic experience or memory. They can occur day or night and can occur recently after an act, you know, an event or years later. Okay. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it is years later when people start developing flashbacks. You may remember the um the event on or only a detail of the event and like you mentioned sounds or smells that can be triggers. That's what those are. Those are triggers. Absolutely. You know, yes. And those triggers are actually what bring forth the um, the flashbacks. So a flashback can occur in a veteran like yourself, like you were in the service, um, mm-hmm. you know, who had experienced a traumatic event. When not only flashbacks, uh, one symptom of PTSD. That's what flashbacks are. It is a post-traumatic stress, you know, stress disorder. And, and don't forget, 
The disorder, I've had people say to me, I don't like calling it PTSD. But that's what uh, why it can't is. I just I know. <laughs> and I'll yeah, check it out. So I'll say to them, uh, well you say post traumatic stress. But anything that happens more than one time, more than five times, more than ten times, it then becomes a disorder because it's a repetitive type of um situation and in this case we're speaking about flashbacks. Well, that's now, repetitive Carol, because yeah. yeah. Let's add this. Let's mm-hmm. add this. I want people to understand. Yeah. Don't be don't be fear or shame of the word PTSD, which is post traumatic mm-hmm. stress disorder, because it's not a bad thing. It's what it is. Anyone who suffered trauma, you're going to have post traumatic stress. You're going to have flashbacks. You're going to have uh, thoughts. But the, the healing process is not to shake it away or shake it off, deal with it. It's because it's, it's going to happen. But it's how That's you right. deal with it. It's how you deal with it. And what for me, real quick, I would say, when I get memories of the different traumas that I have endured, I, it comes, it flows, and I, and I get those clusters a lot. So I, I like when you mention that. Um, I let it ride out, and then when it happens and then it stops, the memory, after I see it, you know, I breathe. I take I take a deep breath, you know, mm-hmm. and I count backwards, 15 to backwards. And then I start thinking of the good thing and what is the good thing. I'm not that little Michelle anymore. That little Michelle is inside me, but I'm a grown adult, and I say to myself, Yes, you went through that, but they're not going to hurt you today. That's not that's not happening today, and and that's and that's what helps me. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want to uh, get Lori on here because she's here too. Lori, have you okay. ever had flashbacks? Yeah, have you ever had uh-huh. flashbacks? All the time, all the time, all the time. That's, uh-huh. that's my. Uh, I only have bad memories, so. Anything is going to trigger them. And this being Child Abuse Awareness Month um, is usually when I stop posting. Partly mm. the book that I wrote, you know, I still don't want to publish it. But this month so far, I haven't. Though I did look at the page. I can't even bring myself to look at the page anymore. I'm just so sick of it because I know what it's going to do. But mm. I do other kinds of stuff. And today I got a response from one of it's my adopted family and it was one of the daughters and the the flashbacks are coming all day since I talked to her and they're going to come tonight mm-hmm. and they're going to come tomorrow and they're going to be fresh just like I was back there and what she decided to do and I don't know how she figured this out she brought in some of the good stuff, you know, that came out of meeting her and her family and all of that stuff to help me along. It's like she just kind of knew what to do. Um, mm. Yeah, she, she, she was, That's like, really thing. amazing. So yeah, what I've been doing, what I've been doing with the stories that she was telling me that she remembered about me, I actually forgot about, but I, you know, of course, told her I did remember and Mm-hmm. They were funny stories, you know, so it was, like, new and, and still crazy. 
So, you know, we went back and I decided, I says, you know, for the rest of the day, you're going to feel like crap, which I did. And um, I kind of went back into my little world, you know, don't want to talk about it. I get to what's wrong, ma, you know, something like that. And I say nothing, you know, because I I really don't open up so much. But um, I don't even think he even knows about my autonomous family. My son knows nothing about anything. So uh, I kind of just am here by myself. You know, I put on something to keep my eyes busy. Um, this way, like when I'm starting to really, you know, get down and I start feeling it in my heart because it's a, there was a lot of heartbreak during all that kind of time. You know, she brought up memories of my father. And this was around the time that my brother choked me, trying to kill me. They actually were the ones who saved my life. Um her mother came over with her um, husband's gun. He was a cop in the city, and he wasn't home. Mm-hmm. And as my brother was coming up the stairs into the room I was barricaded in, which had my father's guns, which I knew he was going for. He was going to get the guns and shoot me. Um, <clears throat> she popped the door, just flew open. She came in. She got him on the stairs, and... I never saw that side of her, but I went into detail with her what exactly what happened and how she had pinned my brother out, you know, up against the wall, and she got me out of the house. Details that I really never did want to relive, but it's mm-hmm. April, so you're going to. So we were going back and forth for a while with that, and what what it's going to do to me tonight, I'm probably not going to sleep. Um but, you know, I'm going to try to concentrate on just having the fun times with the kids. Yeah, that's all I can do. And mm-hmm. I knew at the time when I was going nonstop with child abuse from, you know, all year round. And mm-hmm. everybody is kind of, they just don't want to still talk about it. And they really, really annoy me. Um, you could see the uh, the people who you just, they don't want to deal with it. They don't know anybody who it happened to, and this couldn't happen to whoever, all that kind of stuff. You know, I got so sick of listening to them, and I just kind of turned around and said, "If you want my help, you can ask me for it, because I'll listen to anyone." And they said, "You know, some something which you can do, because I've been through a, a whole lot of trauma myself." And I do mm-hmm. get people. I do get people that, you know, will just blurt out their stories and, you know, I do what I can. I go, I go by, like, instinct, and I don't even know how I know how to do it. But that, that that's what I do. So I decided if this is what I'm doing for them, why not do it for myself? So what right. I tell the people to do, how to bring themselves out of it, I just decided this year with all these flashbacks, I said, I'm going to do it from what I tell them. And that's what I'm concentrating on tonight, the fun and the good stuff from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. I tell you, like I tell people, I said, you know, they asked me, well, what, how do you deal with it when these flashbacks or cluster flashbacks? I, for me, let me tell you something. You couldn't have told me 30 years ago that I was going to write a first book, right? But you know how that book came about? It came about that in my healing process, when I start having dreams or thoughts or flashbacks of memories, I start writing immediately. I just started writing it down. 
And then what happened is when it got overwhelming in the beginning of me writing down, I would throw my pad across the room and a pencil and I'd grab my hair. I was angry. But then I wasn't thinking about it no more. I don't wrote it down. I started thinking about what I wrote. And then I would try it again the next day if, if, uh, if, if, if they come back or whenever they come back, I just start writing. Next thing I know, I had a book. I, that wasn't my purpose to have a book. But but in all those years of healing and going through all that, I, you know, I knew in my heart and in my spirit that the Lord wanted me to get this book out to share my story to help others who were bound. Because I don't want anyone to be locked in their mind in a, in, of of imprisonment. You know, that's, that's a right. that's a awful place to be to be in your own prison. And and I and, and I and then I wonder why I was so physically ill. I was not getting weight. I was losing weight. Um, it just took over my whole being. Okay. You can't hold that stuff in. You have to let it out. Yeah, you and do. so I would tell a person, write it down. Or if you got a recorder, record, re, you know, talk. You know, and that and, and I and I was using both of those. I would write. And then, and then when it got to a point where I couldn't write anymore because it got overwhelming, I started speaking out what I was seeing and what I was feeling, you know. So I used a recorder, too. So that's just a little tip out there that uh-huh. you might want to use as a healing process, yeah. You're absolutely right, Michelle, because um, the articles that I've been reading the last couple of days, now, quite frankly, I, I personally, um, I, I, I've lost emotion, Okay, look okay. what happened to me, okay? Um, that's why I was able to write my book in 28 days, 314 pages. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I just, uh, I had, it was like I was observing some other little kid who was going through all these terrible, terrible things in her life, and unfortunately my mind, and I say unfortunately, my mind didn't uh, hold back anything. I remembered everything. Exactly. Okay? Yes, so, well, in detail. Yeah. Yeah, I got flashbacks. Yes, yes. So one thing about with flashbacks, it says here, um, remind yourself you are having a flashback. Okay, we already know that. Okay, remind Mm -hmm. yourself that the traumatic event is over. It's over. Yes. It happened in the past, and you are in the present. Help yourself stay present by using five senses. And that, of course, would be smell and, and taste and, and uh, whatever. The, the three are, I can't think. If at home, walk into another room and have a glass of water. And then, of course, go into the breathing exercises. I've been reading a lot about the breathing exercises because, Lori, you were talking about because your, your heart would be, you know, pounding too hard or whatever. And uh, maybe you know, you're I right on. All the time. And, well, then you also. And um, no, I'm saying, I don't you know, have that. I, you know, I always speak of, uh, you know, counting from 30 backwards or 15 backwards. I find mm-hmm. that, too, uh, it, it it brings me, even though the, it, the flashback is going on, Carol's like, mm-hmm. because my heart be pounding mm-hmm. and my blood pressure goes up. I, I had to sure. learn my body. And so I tell people, when your blood pressure rises like that, Understand that a heart attack or a stroke is a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You That's can right. have a freaking, you can have a heart attack or a stroke, and I refuse. I said no, I don't. And I would just crowd the guy like I don't want to have a heart attack. I don't want to have a stroke. So I had to count backwards or take deep breaths 
to calm me, and I can literally feel my heart go back, start slowing, going back down, because it, it goes so high and rapid, I can literally feel my heart beating out of my chest. That is not good. You, you, your blood pressure is too high. And if you don't do something, you can have a stroke or a heart attack. Yeah, you can. You absolutely mm-hmm. can. And, um, you know, I used to have terrible panic. We all know this. And the difference between complex, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, for people who don't understand that, um, is when you have suffered an event, I'll call it an event, it's a horror is what it is, um, mm-hmm. you know, repetitively in your life, whether it be sexual mm-hmm. abuse or, you know, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, or all of them, or in, in cases with the vets that we see, oh, my God, when I was out in New York yeah. helping um, feed them, uh, there were the vets all lined up in a wheelchair, and they, it's very sad. They were afraid to come over. They were afraid to cross the street, all right, to come over to the park where we were at um, because wow. they're, they're helpless. They're helpless. They're mm-hmm. scared, all right. They're in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. all right, for God's sake. So uh, what we do is we take care of those who are in line, and we had many of them, and uh, all kinds of food and clothing, everything. We had everything, Michelle. I mean, people were so good. And I have to say, in Hackettstown, New Jersey, uh, a yeah. lot of people did donate, okay? And it was through the church. And it was a Methodist mm-hmm. church. And they didn't care that I was Catholic. I was doing work, okay? <laughs> they just wanted yeah. volunteers. So, um, but anyway, what we would do then, before we'd leave the city, and they, they knew to do this. Um, they would be on the other side, uh, you know, all their wheelchairs together, the whole bunch of them, and uh, we would take things to them and, you know, give them soup. We made homemade soup, and we had sandwiches. We made sandwiches and, um, you know, all kinds of stuff and uh, drinks and juices, uh, coffee in the wintertime, you know, because it's cold out, and tea, hot chocolate, Mm -hmm. and and give them a little bag with, you know, with other things that they could eat, cookies, whatever. Whatever we had, we gave, okay? Let's put it that way. And and Mm -hmm. believe me, they they liked that. They loved it. And then, of course, we made sure we had hoodies to give them and, you know, know, all kinds of gloves and and jackets and, and everything. And this is from donations, donations. And uh, so it was wonderful that we were able to do that. And I was telling Lori the other day um, that we even had, you know, for women, we had all women's things, you know, like the personal things that women need, okay, those that are still, you know, having their period. And we had all kinds of stuff like that. And we had bras of all different sizes, (laughs) you know, um, underwear of all different sizes, and for the men too. I mean, we had anything that a person needs to exist. And then right. um, I always, I always handed out toiletries, all kinds of shampoos and soaps, and and washcloths and and little towels, and and oh, they could go into a bathroom if they're allowed to, even a gas station, whatever, and they could wash up in the sink, you know, you know, if they weren't going to go into a shelter. And the reason being right. for that. The reason being for the shelter not wanting to go into is because they don't feel their their belongings are even safe there. Okay, not those mm-hmm. in the wheelchairs. I'm not talking about them. They won't go into a shelter, you can be sure. And uh, they're all suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, many of mm-hmm. them, many of them, because whether it be through being vets, you know, through the war, they saw their bodies get blown apart and all this other stuff, and then look what happened to them, and they're in a wheelchair, um, or it can be psychological. 
um, and they're suffering from PTSD, and um, or whether it's children who have been so sexually abused all their life, and they've gone from one abusive, uh, say, in foster care or at home, where usually yeah. it is, is home, um, or uh, people on the outside who kidnap and rape them, all the things that we've been through on, on this show. You know, um, we too suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. And Absolutely. It takes years. It takes years, okay, to uh, more or less, I'm going to say, get over or at least learn how to deal with it. So flashbacks, that that's something that's very, very common, you know, um, and when when people do suffer from PTSD, it says learn the triggers that um, lead you to your flashbacks. After your flashback, use a notebook, as you said, use a, a notebook to, to write down what happened right before what you heard or what you felt or what you saw. Now, something triggered you, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and it does say seek help because... Many times, um, now we've had, I, I haven't, but many times people on the shows have had flashbacks for years, so they're not new at this, okay? But think of a person who is just starting to have flashbacks. They absolutely and utterly need to seek help because as the mind releases those memories which are causing the flashbacks and the trigger that mm-hmm. caused that to begin with, They need someone to talk to. They need to find a therapist who understands or a counselor who understands what flashbacks are and about child Mm -hmm. abuse or like what the vets went through, okay? Now, that's very, very important. And uh, so it speaks about that. This is a wonderful article I found, um, and I have all kinds of resources, too. Uh, One thing that people use, they they talk about – you know, cognitive processing therapy. This type of therapy teaches you skills to change your negative thoughts. Uh, a lot of us have negative thoughts and beliefs Absolutely. associated with the trauma, so they can become um, so sort of less distressing to them. Talk therapy is one of the best, okay, things that they um, that they actually speak about. Because, you see, mm-hmm. if you talk, this is what we do on the show. If you keep talking about something, you know, about your abuse, I don't care if you're running the show or if you're a person who's listening to the show. Um, if you keep talking and talking and talking, you have to find the right platform, okay, <laughs> the right people, mm-hmm. like uh, Lori was talking about. But, you know, if you keep talking about your abuse, it all of a sudden, that desensitizes the abuse itself. Okay, it's not going to go away, but if you take away the the uh, the feelings, the emotional things that people go through, they verbalize, okay, um, how they feel. I'm feeling sick. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling suicidal. I'm feeling this. I'm feeling that. If you keep talking about all of the things that happen to you, if you're allowed to do that, you find a place you can do that. That can be in groups, like we do offer on on NASCAR. Um, mm-hmm. People who, and we, that's on the left-hand side of our NASCA, N-A-A-S-C-A uh, website, NASCA.org, NASCA.org. You'll see the red boxes. I bring this up at times because it's important. The first thing are programs in that red box. Each one of those boxes has a different topic. I have dealt mm-hmm. with many people over the phone, Michelle, and I have sent them to these programs. I know that they find them, and I believe that they work because I've gotten feedback. 
So if yes. you can find a place, you know, where everyone's the same as you are, as we are, all of us are, where you can meet people. A lot of times, okay, we do stay in our house too much. I know what you were saying about before. I went through a period of time like that. You're not yeah. going to heal. You're not going to heal like that, okay? No. No. So if you get out and you go to, say you're from New York City, all right, and and New York has an awful lot to offer as far as um, programs. And um, mm-hmm. upstate, not so much. But in the city areas, the more urban areas, yes, you can find programs. Um, whatever state you're in, okay, it, it gives a list. So what you do is go, you open up the program, you open it up, you'll see the world spinning around, the world spinning around, you know you're in the right place. And you go down a little bit, scroll down a little bit, and, and you'll find the United States, okay? Um, right now I'm in New Jersey. They call it Dirty Jersey, and it's getting dirty. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. It used to be, you know, something else years ago. But um, but anyway, the point is you find, like, the county that you're from or the city that you're from, the, uh, the, the town that you're from. It's all alphabetical. It's easy to do. And you click on to what's nearest to you or maybe what's in your own town. You didn't even know it was there, okay? And there'll be programs. And you go to them. Try it. Because if you stay in your house too much, like you were talking about, then you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna have all other kinds of problems. All right. Maybe not just flashbacks, but it'll turn into panic attacks. Let his panic attacks come because um we haven't gotten the help that we needed, okay? And and so we have these terrible phobias, like you had mentioned at one point, it turns into phobias. Wow. And it can turn into a globophobia. Go ahead. Yeah. You know what? I just lost my train of thought that fast, and it was it was important too. Just go ahead. As soon as you come back, you can go (laughs) there. So I hate that. It was was something that you were saying and attaining my thought, but it just I just lost it. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's when it comes right. back, but I'll say it. Mm-hmm. it. It'll come back, and I'll let you have the floor then. <laughs> Lori and I won't mind. It'll be okay. So, okay, so, <laughs> so you know, what I'm saying about this is if we, you know, if we keep ourselves in our homes and we don't face, if we don't talk about it, so again, I very much believe in talk therapy. Or if you don't go mm-hmm. into um, a program where you meet other people like uh, what we're going through, okay, and... You know, it actually talks about in these programs, some programs are just primarily for those who have gone through terrible um, violence at home, domestic violence. And then you'll have Absolutely. other programs, and that's very important. Excuse me. And then you'll have other programs that uh, speak primarily about sexual abuse. And then you have mm-hmm. programs that talk about everything, all right? So it gives you... Um, you know, like you can go any, meeny, money, mo. I think I'll try this one, this one. One guy from down south, Jersey, uh, had to go to several before he felt comfortable, but he found one and he's happy, okay? Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's sometimes you have to do that, okay? So, um, so getting, But getting back to, um, it says take control. Try these tips. Tell yourself you, have a having, you are having a flashback. Talk to yourself literally. Note where you are now and and say you are safe because, look, no one's standing there with a 45 against your head, right? <laughs> you're, having, mm-hmm. you're having a memory from something that happened maybe years ago or maybe not that long ago, but still in all, 
you're safe right there. It's just that you're having um, a blown mind at the at that point. You can talk yourself out of that. I am safe. Uh, no one's mm-hmm. doing anything to me. I'm not being physically abused. I'm not being sexually abused. If that was the problem, all these things that we had gone through is not happening at that point. Then yes, you go and you have go get a drink of water. You then you after the water do your breathing exercises and that is helpful. And for God's sake, Absolutely. get help because you're having problems. Okay. Then there's another mm-hmm. thing that people are trying, um, and that's the uh, the eye movement, the EMDR. So then I looked up how successful is EMDR. Now EMDR is uh, something where you your eyes will just go, you know, you flip them back and forth, up and down, over to the side. When you're having, like, you're talking to your therapist, say, and this would be through therapy with the EMDR, okay? You're mm-hmm. speaking to your therapist, and she's um, already knows your past because if she's a good therapist, she knows where you're coming from, okay? She has the information on you because you've spoken to her and told her. So then she uses the EMDR, which is something that a lot of people are trying, and that's where you uh, you use eye movement, and she'll bring up something, um, I don't know, say you were abused by your grandfather, okay? So you start talking about your grandfather abuse, and um, then you're supposed to take your eyes and, and move left to right, left to right, left to right, left to right, or up and down, up and down, whichever. That is EMDR, and what that does is your mind knows it, I know it sounds silly, but your mind knows that your grandfather's not there right now, and your eyes are you're taking control that way of the situation. So it says through EMDR training, while thinking about or discussing your memories, you are taught to shift your focus away from the memories. Well, if you're sitting there blinking your eyes like a maniac, you're thinking about your eyes blinking. See, I guess they're talking about that. Other times they use tapping, like tapping noises. Now, I never tried EMDR. I don't think I need it, but I'm just saying. Tapping noises, your mind will then start focus probably on the sound of the tapping, and it will divert. So that's another way of desensitizing the uh, situation because the topic has already been fed to you, so you're either using the eye movement or you're using the tapping. So your mind then goes to that, and it takes away from you know the terrible situation that you were speaking about. That's what EMDR does. Um, then I looked up what are the success rates of EMDR. Um, it has a pretty high success rate around in the low 80s percent, okay? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, it's, it's something to keep in mind that a therapist, you naturally know, go for your regular sessions, but you can also incorporate uh, EMDR into your sessions if she knows how to do the EMDR type of treatment. And that might even help you uh, heal faster, okay, if you can use the EMDR with it. So I think that's uh, something to keep in mind, too. And, you know, I have a lot of resources here because uh, it was brought to my attention, too, that um, there are not enough resources for uh, people who have flashbacks and and uh, all kinds of things who are suffering from PTSD, uh, those who are the vets, and then also, too, um, well, people who, you know, have gone through all different types of trauma. So I'm going to read this off because I want people to hear this 
and then we can continue on with other conversations or continue speaking about, you know, flashbacks or emotional problems that people, you know, go through. So there is a telephone number here, and um, it's called, it's 866-966-1020. Now, that was last updated, 121522, so it's current, okay? 866-966-1020. Now, that's a number you can call. And if you're having all types of terrible flashbacks or problems with PTSD, flashbacks are only one, you know, thing that a person can have. You can have all kinds of things with PTSD. And a lot of times it's panic disorder. It's very good. EMDR, by the way, is good for panic. Uh, that's one thing that uh, I did read about. Um, I wish they had it years ago when I was going through all that. But there's also additional resources National Center for PTSD, Self-Help and Coping. Now, that telephone number will give you uh, the names of those organizations, National Institute of Mental Health, PTSD. Mm. And that's complex, yes. I think I've heard of that, Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's um, Mm -hmm. that's for complex PTSD and, and trauma. Then for those who have been vets, okay, the VA, um, it, it, we've seen this online. I know you have. It, it's called Make the Connection. And that's where vets actually share their story. Have you seen that online, either one of you? They do have that on, on Facebook, and I've seen it. And it's uh, through the VA, and it's uh, Make the Connection. And who knows, you know, like those people out there who have served their country, um, and who have, they come back with all kinds of disorders, whether it be physical, mental, emotional, or, or maybe all of it, right? Um, they can uh, you know, get a hold of those people through the VA, and it's called Make the Connection. And probably that telephone number I just gave you could probably help you with that also. So 2020, it says um, EMDR helps people walk through memories. That's the idea of EMDR. Um, it helps you desensitize the memories you have and actually helps you walk through the memories that you have. It takes usually six to 12 sessions, and that's not so bad because, you know, if there's a hope at the end of the tunnel, the six to 12 sessions, you know, don't look so bad. EMDR can be used for depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and traumatic experiences. Now, that's what people use EMDR for. Again, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and traumatic experiences. And not only that, it has talk therapy is very good for many as well. And, again, that desensitizes the situations. I don't know how people feel when they write their books. I only know how I felt, okay, And I had gone over in my mind so many, many times, like a lot of people do, about every one of the blasted situations I could remember that I'd gone through. And after a while, I just got tired of it. I got tired of the fact that I went through it. I got tired of the fact that those people did that to me, okay, And I realized that I had to be the one to take control of my life. No, 
I can't change what happened to me. I can't fix it. We alcohol drug addicts are very good at wanting to fix and change things, but we can't change the past. What we can do is change ourselves. And I think by the time that I wrote my book, I was just so damn disgusted with those terrible people out there, with what they did. And my, in my mind's eye, they're going to go to hell. Now, most of them are dead, and I don't care. I don't have any feeling towards them, and that, that means my brother, that means my mother, that means other people in my family, and you know what? Uh, I'm not worried about where they went, and I, I, I would like to think that they had the answer for the way that they treated me because it was very bad. So when we speak about mental, emotional, sexual, physical, and neglect, I went through all of that. And they were millionaires. Keep that in mind. Millionaires. And I was stealing my clothes. <laughs> I wasn't a very good thief. I got caught. I won't go there. <laughs> I didn't go to juvie or anything. They um, they gave me two days to come up with the money. Otherwise, then they were going to call the police and, and call my mother. My mother, to me, was like a demon. I was scared to death of her, Michelle. Scared to death of her. She had this look that would melt me. Okay? Melt me. And I was very frightened of her. My brother had the same type of look, the pervert that he was. But I laughed at him. I don't know why. I, don't, I wasn't scared of him. I just hated him. All right? And then other people in my family. My grandmother, my mother's uh, mother, had that same look. And I was frightened of her also, very, very frightened, and her husband, my grandfather. I had a lot of fear in my life. So with all the fear from home and the neglect and then, of course, being kidnapped and raped like we know about and all this other stuff, my mind just got blown by the time I was nine years old. I started to develop panic attacks, and I had them until I was 49. Yeah. And finally I said... I'm not going to tell you what I said, <laughs> but I said it all in my head at my one of my last panic attacks. I saw that they were getting lighter and lighter because I took control. And I said all these things in my head at the panic attacks, and I got over them. I didn't need pills. I didn't need medicine, and I didn't have to even drink anymore, okay, because I was using that as medication, all right? And um, and popping some quaaludes. Oh, my. I shouldn't even be alive. <laughs> I, you don't drink and pop quaaludes. You don't do that, all right? So, but that's how I was handling it when I was a kid because I didn't know what else to do, okay? And uh, I was out on the street and everything. And, Michelle, you've been out on the street. So, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So um, that's what I got into. And many of us, many of us from NASCAR, um, have been out on the street. When you work with the homeless, you're working with yourself, a lot of us. That's why um, I always chose jobs and even things that I volunteered were, so I could better understand me, okay? And I, 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 I didn't feel uncomfortable around those type of people because that's from where I came, me, the millionaire's daughter. <laughs> what a riot. So, you know... Um, we can go on and on and on and on about our lives. And like someone said, I don't know who it was again, I speak to so many people, 
Um, I just heard this yesterday. Maybe, Lori, maybe it was from you that you heard from someone. Yeah, it was. It was from you. That they're sick and tired of hearing all the um, the gore that's on our show. Uh, wasn't that from you? Yeah. Yeah. But let me tell you something. Okay. This is not just we speaking, the three of us here. This is all of us. And it goes for all those kids that are out on the street, okay, um, all those kids that have been sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally abused. And it's fun and fine if you have something good to talk about. But when your mind is racing, okay, and you're having all these terrible thoughts, we have people that come on our show that speak about their mind is racing, they suffer from hypervigilance. Um, I have a certain amount of that also, okay, where the mind just races, races, races because you get all of these pictures that go in front of you. You call them flashbacks, I call them pictures because they don't actually affect me. I don't care. I'm mad at them. Go away. Screw you. That's the, that's the way I am. And that's what happens. So we all have to find our own way of therapy. Me, it's anger at these situations and anger uh, and I don't mind having anger at it, okay, because it controls it. And I don't do anything bad to people, you know. When I was a teenager, yes, I used to beat people up all the time. I did that. I was a nut. And uh, I was sick and tired of being abused, so I just punch them in the nose. You know how many noses I broke? <laughs> you don't want to know. But, you know, I didn't care, all right, because... What it does is with child abuse, and this, is, of course, is Child Abuse Awareness Prevention Month. People out there who are listening, you put a kid in a situation like that, I don't care who the kid is, um, and they're going to rebel. comes from a violent background, which I did also, a violent background where I saw blood flying. Okay, violence means nothing because that's how you grow up. And then what happens? We end up choosing the wrong partners, don't we? Okay. That's why I guess it was last Friday, I think it was, or the Friday before, I spoke about people who had narcissistic type of behavior patterns and all this other stuff. And that's where it comes from many times is, um, you know, you, you're brought up in, an, in a home where you see too much violence and you see too much of this and you see too much of that. And then, uh, in fact, someone called in and they asked what they could do. I think um, the person was very well-spoken. I don't know who it was. It was some guy. And I Albert. told him. Yeah, was, was that Albert? Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep, it was Albert. And I gave him the knowledge that I have as to what he could do. You know, people of contact and, and definitely that child or children need to go for therapy because, unfortunately, you can turn out to be like mommy and daddy. Yes, you can. So um did a lot of studies on that. So uh, we don't want people to have this narcissistic type of behavior patterns that they have because they create chaos and, and havoc and fear. And if they have psychosis with it, if they suffer from, um, you know, uh, schizophrenia or whatever, you know, it goes along with it. Forget about it. All right, forget about it. You're going to have that in your life. And, yeah, you can be at, at risk. So... You know, all this stuff, when it comes to child abuse, is not something 
that shouldn't be spoken about. It's something that society should take uh, more of an interest in. I'm happy if people come from good homes. I'm happy that I have family members that have wonderful marriages. My daughter has the most wonderful marriage I've ever seen in my life. These two adore each other, adore each other. And my son has a good marriage, and then there are other people in the family who have good marriages, and then there are those who have terrible marriages. That's just the way it is. And um, I tend to stay away from the ones that have the really terrible marriages because I don't want to. I don't want to get triggered. I saw enough of that. So I think it's a matter of conditioning that we as survivors, yes, speak about it, yes, teach about it, yes, do research about it, yes, get your schooling. I got all that stuff, and so does Michelle. All right, I certainly know. And and Lori, you've gotten this, you've gotten some things also that you spoke about. It's good to educate ourselves so that we can help other people. All right. So um, this is what we should do. And I think that we, the survivors, I've said this I don't know how many times, are the best people who can educate other people about you know child abuse and help those who are in need. And because we've come from dysfunction ourselves, we can work with the homeless. We can work with juvenile delinquents. I sent all my, uh, my uh, <laughs> Michelle, I had Mich- my daughter, Michelle, take a picture of my certificate from uh, Juvie. And I was laughing while she took it. But um, to just to show that, okay, I have, my, I, have, I have my education. You bet I do. And it's not just with juvenile detention because I worked with the, you know, the psychiatric as well. That was Greystone. And a lot of famous people went to Greystone. Woody Guthrie was there. Do you know Do you know who Woody Guthrie was? Either one of you two? Yep. Okay. And I, he, the man passed away. And, um, he was there from, and they wouldn't care because it was uh, well known. It was an article that was written, and I saw that online. But um, he was there from the late 50s to the early 60s. And... Um, they actually wanted to see if Greystone was spooked, if there were ghosts there. <laughs> That's how that came about. So I believe in ghosts. I, I happened to, so that took my attention. I, I saw that in Greystone, and uh, I worked there, so I wanted to read about it, and that's how I found that he'd been there. It was public knowledge. So, um, you know, it, it affects us mentally, physically, emotionally, every way that it can affect a person, spiritually. It breaks our spirit. That's what it does. So with the help of other survivors, with the programs that are out there, with the um, what we have online, this platform here, and, and other programs, you know, um, that are available out there, um, other, you know, talk radio shows, as long as we keep talking about child abuse, um, it heals us. Michelle, you had mentioned that before. And it does heal us, okay? And then it also helps desensitize all that stuff that happened to us. Because if you keep talking, this is where I prefer, okay, um, talk therapy. Um, because if you keep talking and talking and talking and talking and talking about it, you just get to the point where, oh, okay, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. 
and in the process of the fact that we're still standing, then we can certainly help others who aren't. So since this is Child Abuse Awareness Prevention Month, I just wanted to get all of this out because we are survivors. We are authors. I've spoken before. My book is Japan, for God's sake, and, and down under right now. It's all over the place. And so that's my way of, of giving back. And I don't care if I get paid for it or not, okay? It doesn't matter. Okay, the point is it's out there. And and people learn more that way. And I wish people would write more children's books. Those of you who are listening, okay, we need children's books. And you can get a lot of information off of our website. Um, David Pittman, he doesn't mind that I use that because I've asked him, and he says, as long as you say where it came from. But um, he has uh, all kinds of information how to speak to your children. Those that care about their kids and are not come out with stupid remarks like, uh, I want my children to remain innocent as long as they can. That's why I don't talk to them about, you know, child sexual abuse. Um, you're not doing this kid a service at all. You're doing them a, a disservice because we do not live in an innocent world. We have spoken on this show about children who are being prostituted out. Now they're being prostituted out from the age of 12 because of what's happened at the border. I will come out with that. And uh, then other kids, their organs are being taken. Yeah. I wonder if they sexually abuse them first. I don't know. But with that, you have to put it on ice immediately. And there are people out there, there's bad hospitals, they don't care where the organs come from, just so long as they get them. And then, of course, you have the black market, okay? So that's where the organs go a lot of times from kids who have been, you know, kidnapped or have been sent over to this country hoping that they'll have a better life. Uh, a lot of those kids don't have a better life. They end up having no life because the wrong people get a hold of them. If that isn't child abuse, I don't know what is, okay? That's something to think about. Bill once had a video, um, I don't, he's taking it down now, but he had a video some years ago about um, the Jewish, the Jewish kids. And they were all in their little striped uniforms like what they had to have. And he had a little caption next to it. And if that, he said, if this isn't child abuse, I don't know what is. Because these kids were going to be gassed or whatever. We live in a horrible world. I would like to bring sunshine and act like, do, 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 do. <laughs> I can't do that because I see, I see beauty. I know there's beauty in the world. Summer's almost here, and I love to look at the trees and the flowers and the birds and the bees and all this other stuff that goes along with it, honey. Oh, yeah. But I have to tell you, there's the other side, too. And it's the other side that keeps programs like NASCA going because we're trying so badly to inform people. I particularly don't like Zoom. However, I would be on a program right now if I did like Zoom, okay? Um, I like to do presentations where you see people's faces, you know, like at the universities and all these other, and the churches that I spoke at. Um 
we'll probably get back to that. I hope. Okay. I. I but anyway, um, I'm trying to bring forth awareness to these shows here, and then putting up posters uh, where they allow me to about the signs of child abuse. And daycare centers. Oh my God. There, there was a terrible article. Did either one of you see that about um, three children were killed in a daycare center? For God's sake, I don't know. This was last week. But I'm going to go back to going into the daycare centers and, and giving the uh, directors information um, of child abuse. So, so much of it comes from home. That's where it originates. And this is what people have to understand. Okay, Michelle or Lori, what do you have to say? I can backtrack a bit. Um, Go ahead. Uh, the health issues, um, the blood pressure. That was what I was focused on for a while because it's absolutely true. Oh, absolutely. My life, I live in, in turmoil day in and day out, and my blood pressure was never able to get under control. And I had already 10 mini strokes from it. Because I just, there's no calmness in my life. It's just the way it is. So one day I hope I don't have the big one because I really, you know, have other things to do. But it, you know, affected the health and with it. And it's like, you know, in your head, the pictures never stop. All that, you know, just happens. And even with, you know, now living on the mountain, it's a lot better than it was. But once you get settled in there, the rest of it does come back, you know, so you try to change it and you, you tell yourself, whoa, you're not even in that age group anymore. And who remembers, you know, some of it, but then they, they do come real. So what I ended up doing, uh, I found out, I guess, in my early 20s that I had a thing for threads and color. I mean, I have always loved flowers and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I accidentally came upon it. So all throughout these years, when all these flashbacks, and I can tell when my blood pressure goes up and when I'm very anxious, and say when my son's exploding, what, what do I do? You know, I can't, like, run out of the house. I can't tackle him anymore. So I have to endure it, and that's when my blood pressure really goes up. So with my love of threads, I have divided like five different tables for the speed of anxiety that I have. Like sometimes I can just sit and, well, you know, say he's having a fit or I'm having a flashback, I can crochet a premium blanket. Sometimes I need that sound. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. ride a bike anymore because of my son's hearing, but one of my machines has that rumbling sound. So I get the anxiety out through running the machine. And if it's a calm day, I'll go to point A, point B, point three, and it's continuing in around the house. And that's the way I'm surviving it. So I think each person has a unique talent. They're born with a unique gift, and just as sure as they're a unique person. Some know it, some find it late. But if they can incorporate what they do into a positive way when all these flashbacks and all this terror that you keep hearing about in the world repeating uh -huh. itself, 
And I believe it's repeating itself is because the same amount, if you've got three siblings that were abused and they have their own kids and then they have three each, now there's nine kids that may repeat that cycle. And they're getting a parent that is traumatized and maybe didn't heal yet. So it's getting worse through that. So I used to go to houses um, of these these kids, and I would work with the kids through art therapy. Um, mm-hmm. You never, you know, it was just something I did you know, with them, That's and it, it actually did help them. And I wasn't looking for perf- perfection and whatever it was, you know, we were doing. It was just more of a a way for them to put their energy in. You know, some kids are athletic, you know, so you could run back and forth. Yeah, it's like you have to find the person's unique gift. And if you match up, you can take that person a long way. And you can teach them the tools to maybe teach maybe his friend is being abused. Maybe his friend's got PTSD already, you know. You you can spread that part around just like you could spread the bad part around. And I like to think that someday in this world there's going to be more good than bad. That that's what keeps me going and still into this. There has to change from all that we're doing. You know, it's that positive look. So that's my two cents. It's worth uh, a dollar. There you go. Well, no, it's a, what you're saying makes a lot of sense, Lori. It does. And, you know, when you're going through um, all different kinds of things in your in your life, you know, and, um, and, and these flashbacks are, you know, just flying like crazy, it isn't an easy time. It's not an easy time. But if you can find ways to divert, you know, those flashbacks, remember, they're, it happened. But it's gone now. See, I, I keep hanging on to that. You say you'll keep hoping for better times, and I don't want to stay. I don't think people should stay stuck in that mode. So if you can like get tough, and I know you're a tough girl. Come on now, and, and just say screw <laughs> you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you know, <laughs> I know. And, and and punch that damn thing in the nose. You know, uh, literally. You know, you see it like you're visualizing something. Screw you. Go away. You know. Uh, don't come back another day. I've seen enough of you, all right? And um, I think that if we take more control, because it, it did mention that in the, in the article, um, take control. Try, try these tips. Tell yourself you are having a flashback or a cluster of them. Talk to yourself literally, and it says literally. Note where you are and, and, where you, and write a notebook like um like Michelle had suggested, it's good, I think, to write things down. You know, was it a smell? Was it a taste? Was it a situation? Was it an environment? Where were you when you had that flashback? Uh, what were you doing? Things like that. So you come more in touch with the flashback and what could have triggered it. Okay? Um, something could have happened that you're not even quite aware of it. Maybe a look. I couldn't handle it if I saw someone looking at me like my mother and my grandmother. Oh, my God. I was going to meltdown when I was a kid. I went to the city school, uh, well, yeah, the city school, but to the city uh, park where they had a, a pool during the summertime. And um, 
I'm telling you, I'm thinking back. I was like eight, nine years old. My mother let me take the city bus with a friend to the pool. Oh, my God. But anyway, so I was in the pool one day, and, and I got out of the pool, and here's this guy across from me, across from me. And I'd say, you know, when you're a kid, it's hard to judge ages, but he didn't look like he was terribly old, and he wasn't uh, terribly young. He was somewhere in the middle. I don't know. And he's looking at me with hatred. I mean hatred. Mm. The same type of looks that I was getting from my mother and my grandmother and my stupid brother. Okay? And I went into total meltdown. Total meltdown. And that was the beginning of my panic attacks. Now, I didn't know this guy, and I don't know why he was looking at me like that. But you see, try to think about what could have happened that caused the flashback. And it says many times flashbacks and panic attacks go together. Yeah. And with myself, I have problems with my heart. And I went to ask the doctor, look, I had panic attacks from age 9 to 49 because I have a heart specialist. I said, is that something that could have caused this panic disorder that I have? And, and that could that have caused the um, could that have caused the heart problem that I'm having? And he said, absolutely. Because, you know, your heart only beats so many times and then you, you die. We all do that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to think about that, but that's the truth. He said, you have your heart beating so many times. Well, that's closer, okay? Say your heart's supposed to be 10 million times. I don't know. I'm just using that number. And, and uh, if you have a panic attack, you know what your heart's doing. It's going, right? So that's all those beats in there. So all of a sudden I developed a leaky valve. Oh, yes, I did. And then finally two years ago I had a heart attack. It was 94 degrees and I was doing something I shouldn't be doing. I was pushing the lawnmower and um, that didn't help any. And I had a heart attack and I went into the house, popped three regular bare aspirin, you know, 325 milligrams apiece, and I went to sleep. And I said to myself, if I wake up, I was meant to. If I don't, I was meant to, not to. <laughs> I woke up, obviously. But I went to my heart specialist, and he showed it on the test they gave me. So you see, when we talk about how, um, you know, all these things that we go through, how it affects our body, it can affect our heart, it can affect our kidneys, our, abdo- our abdominal tract, all this other stuff, um, you know, our brains, needless to say, mental illness, um, all, all the things that we talk about, that's what child abuse can, can do. It's from trauma. It's from trauma. So I, I get it. Michelle, what do you have to say about this? Michelle? Well, she hasn't dropped off. She can't hear me. I don't know what the heck she's doing. But anyway, um, she's her mic is open. Michelle, are you okay? I don't know where she went. But anyway, it's all right. You and I will finish the show out. Um, Michelle? Maybe she had to take a call, Lori. At times she gets calls. That could I make. kept hearing a uh, somebody trying to get through on the phone. That might oh, be where okay. she's at. Yeah. 
Well, see, that's what happens. We have we get these phone calls at the weirdest times. I, at times, I have people uh, calling me while I'm trying to run a show, and that's a pain in the neck because I give them always my landline number, not so much my cell number because um, my it's too jammed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I give them my home phone, and they call my home phone, and I can hear it right through the uh, the line here because I'm on my home phone. All right. So she may be on a phone call. But anyway, um, I don't know. The only thing I can tell you, you know, I mean, I think you're wonderful. I think you have a lot to offer. And I've I've looked at all of the, um, you know, the pillows that you've made and all the different designs, and you give them to the hospitals, to the kids. I think that's a wonderful thing that you're doing. Um, you know, I think that's, you know, something very charitable of you, and it helps you, you know, to do that. And when that kid, whichever that kid may be, gets one of those pillows, it gives them comfort. Yeah, that that's basically what I was going for. I said there has to be somebody, you know, who, I mean, there's other people, of course, thousands like me who do things uh, for kids in need. But when I found out about them, because I never really thought about them, you know, I didn't, I wasn't aware outside of myself what was going on. But as I got older, and I found out about them, like even through my neighbor, um, the preemies, that's what started me with preemies. I said, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I said, I got food on my table, a roof over my head. I I don't do vacations. I don't go anywhere, you know. I think I took two one-week vacations in 44 years. That was it. So I said, if this is what makes me happy now to give back, I said, this is what I'm going to do. And believe it or not, it was my husband's idea to get my my first embroidery machine. Um, I was on that narcissist show, and what he likes to do is show off you know, with the stuff, because I send him to all the places we go to. I, I won't right. go one-on-one with people. But I think there's people that were just made to comfort people, and that's mm-hmm. who I am. And it's better than going on a vacation, you know. I'd rather just go, you know, drop off a bunch of bags and, you know, know that they're there. I mean, I don't want them to get lost. But I don't need to see the kids or mm-hmm. even the homeless because I do make scarves and crochet scarves for the homeless. In New York, um, they're all over the streets. Um, I, I live in Long Island. I lived in Long Island. And, you know, it's not even at a soup kitchen. They just are there down on Main Street. So my husband, I would give the scarves to us. It's just handed to this guy. You know, we knew where he was staying and whatnot. We knew the street people. He used to be an EMT, so we, our uh, audience, I guess it's called, got even bigger. You know, I went into the other towns and whatnot. But for me, um, I think my purpose in life is to just be the one to help people. You know, I'm, not, I'm not looking for a million-dollar house. I never was. And I don't really need too much because I don't do too much, you know, except ride the bike, you know. I used to do that. That was my thing. But mostly yeah. I have to stay home, you know. So while I'm home, you know, let me go do something that makes me feel good. And that's what makes me feel good. 
doesn't make sense that I should do that after where it came from because my sister also, you know, she lived the same in the same house, but she ended up to be the total opposite of me. She would never think to give anything or do anything for anybody. You know, she she came out as only about herself. Um, my brother, I know that, you know, even when I left that family, I let go of the anger because my life went on. But my niece uh, was having a party before she went into the Navy. He never showed up. And this is going, I think, like 18 years I hadn't seen him. And all I kept thinking of is he's held on to that kind of anger for all these years when he could have been doing something else with that space in his head. So there's some people that choose to, you know, be evil and and think of all those things. I just couldn't wait to get away from all that, you know, and start doing something positive for myself, for other people. Actually, I put myself second. I kind of never went first, you know. (laughs) I never came to this earth with a plan, you know. Nobody ever asked me what I wanted to do with my life. It was just like always as a caretaker. So that's what I was trained to do, you know. So I believe in that. And then people who are out there that do what I do, and they do really good jobs. I mean, really, really good jobs with stuff. Um, just a, a ground level, let's get it out there. You know, you need chemo hats. Fine, I'll make a whole bunch of chemo hats, but it's more of a, I don't have the um, ability a lot of people do. I mean, I've seen some things that other people do for the kids where they're making them crochet total outfits. And here I am, I can't even get through the directions. <laughs> <laughs> in my limited world, I was able to figure out what I was able and capable to do, and I kept at it. And the years went by, and, you know, the stats grew on what I do. And thankfully, um, the people, and these are people that connected with me as child abuse survivors, they decided to do what I was doing just, you know, in their own way. And it was like, wow, wouldn't that be awesome that people would actually get the idea and follow through and turn their lives into something more positive? And from the feedback I got, it worked. It's like you have to find the right um, way to heal. And as much as I I worked four years with a therapist, I mean, that's all I can say. I went and I got my incest therapist. I did as much as I needed to do. And then I I, I journaled. I learned to use color for my eyes when I would get these thoughts. I had to bring myself out. I I figured out a lot on my own. I didn't think I... I probably could have been, you know, into the field more than I would ever as a court reporter. I mean, that was a waste of time. But I... (laughs) <laughs> this is, I didn't choose my journey. This is where I was steered to. You know, and as people learn that there is someone who is looking out for them, they're really not totally alone, and they find access, you know, to these places and these people or these programs even that mask offers. Anything they do, once they recognize it and they want, if you want enough, 
you can come out. You can bring yourself out. You only notice this as you go through the process and then you look back and you say, was I the same person like three months ago? And you go, no, I wasn't. And that's how I decided that, you know, this is changing me and I'm going to keep it up. So that's what I've done. You know, um, I, I do diamond paintings with people. I mean, and I never charge them. I just give them. If it comes to a kid, I just give it to them. So my next my next place it's a big hospital. It's got to get mailed to them. And I tell them, I said, do not put my name on this. <laughs> I said, I only hear from these places. Cause then they keep wanting more and more and more and more. I'm like, I'm only one person, you know. There's right. so much I can do, you know. So please don't push me. I have a list. And that's what I do with my life while I'm here, you know, trying to do whatever it is with my son. You, know? right. you got to make the best well, of the situation, you know. You, you and, do a tremendous amount, though, Lori. I mean, when you think about it, look, I, I've seen all the pictures of, of uh, all the different pillows, and now I hear that you, you get scarves and stuff. You, what, do you knit them? Is that what you're saying? Or like, like I crochet scarves? Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I crochet them. Yeah, oh, I knit amazing. the hats, I crochet the scarves. Mm-hmm. See, that, that's a wonderful like, thing. Yeah, where'd you go? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, um, see, this is how Lori serves, and and this is this is wonderful, you know, that she does because um, first of all, again, the kids. I'm not saying the adults don't need the scarves, don't get me wrong, because they do. Everyone needs to feel like someone cares about them. I don't care who they are. Okay? Yeah. But mm-hmm. with, with kids, when they're in the hospital and stuff like that, um, they certainly need a little more attention. So to get those pillows, I don't know if you've ever seen them or not. Michelle, they're online. And um, they're, she's, they're beautifully made. And uh, I'm sure that those kids... Yeah, I'm sure those kids mm. really enjoy, you know, getting um, getting a pillow from you. Absolutely. And again, it's, yeah. it's comfort. They need comfort. Yeah, that's amazing. That's that's correct. Absolutely, it's, it's, it is. It is comfort. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. I, I've given one pillow to a kid out of mm-hmm. you know way over a thousand. I, I lost track. I'm not into paperwork, but. Um, I was, you know, trying to hide, actually, in bushes <laughs> so nobody would find me. It was at a club event. Typical Lori, you know. <laughs> Let somebody else get, you know, I don't want people at me. But they they spotted me, and it was like, there she is. And all these kids came running over to me, and I was sitting on my walk, and I couldn't run away. <laughs> so I, I gave them to child. Um, I let them take their picture, and then I call one of my club sisters over, and I says, here, you do this. I'm leaving. (laughs) And I did. I left. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's just the way I am. I was like, don't do it, but I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) You can tell my husband. He likes it. (laughs) Very strange way to be. Very strange. Well, it's... it's, um... You're, you're very, uh, what's the word, humble. You, you said that I'm humble because of the things I've gone through mm-hmm. and the, the way that I serve and Michelle serves and all the rest of us who serve. But um, you're very humble. 
I mean, you don't, like you said, you don't even want your name on things because you don't want people to come running after you. <laughs> oh, give me 15 of those and give me six of them, all this other stuff. And, Pretty um, much. Yeah, yeah. And that that's a big thing to take on by yourself. Like you said, you're only one person, okay? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, absolutely. But I think it's a very good way to serve. You know, we all have, like you said, we all have our talents, you know, things that we do. I have a big mouth. Mm-hmm. I like to talk a lot, you know, <laughs> and that's uh, that's okay. <laughs> well, I don't care, all right? That's the way I am. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully I'm helping people by talking. And, and Michelle, she has a pretty big mouth, too. She likes to talk, you know. A lot of it, yeah. you know. <laughs> I put it very delicately. Yes, I did. I think I did a good job, okay? So, yeah. but. Yes. This is this is the gift. This is the gift that God gave us. Whether mm-hmm. whether you're whether you're preaching, like uh, Michelle does in her ministries, um, and, and at times she goes to the prisons and she goes to the shelters. I mean, she does all different kinds of things, you know, to help mm-hmm. people. And um, me, I work more on the radio. I do a lot of research. And uh, until I'm bleary-eyed at times, so I know what the hell I'm talking about. And um, mm-hmm. and then maybe, too, I can help people that way. And uh, to hang up uh, absolutely all different kinds of information in different stores. And um, I was looking for a radio station to go on to. I was going to go back on WRNJ, but I don't think they talk about child abuse anymore. I'm going to um, ask them because mm-hmm. I, I've been on there five years I went on there. And uh, five years, then I stopped. And then uh, five years um, at the university with all kinds of presentations and helping to teach classes and teach police officers things they should have already known but didn't know uh, about child abuse. And, um, right. Yeah. And then that got taken over by Dyfus because they got a fund. Yes, they did. And uh, so, anyway, they got into that. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, with the world that we're living in today, everything is so different. It's so different. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of things are Zoom. A lot of people like Zoom. I don't happen to like Zoom. I feel stupid on Zoom. I don't like feeling stupid. <laughs> All right. Um, so I got my taste of Zoom in a, in a case that I was working with. But, um, well, I'd rather do things. Uh, I like to look at people's faces today. Lori, at one time I couldn't mm-hmm. look at people's faces because I was so filled with um, panic, and I didn't want them looking at me, for God's sake. I, I used would to be like that. Up. I used to be yeah. like that. Yeah. And that's, I would that's make eye contact. Yeah, I didn't want to make eye contact. Oh, no, honey. And Michelle went through her time where she stayed in the house for a long time. Absolutely. She, yeah. She's spoken about it before. And and um, was it your daughter or a niece or someone would uh, go shopping for you because you didn't want to leave the house? Yeah. It would be my daughter. It was yeah, she was yeah. A, a routine. Sorry, it was ten years. I mean, you know, I never went outside. Never. I never wow. had human contact um, except when you know the only human contact you know with my daughter, of course. But I was just through the window. I I mean. I just, I, I was so far gone, I was just totally, totally, um, I was out of it. Like, I, I felt like the way I lived, it was normal. That was a normal thing, you know. It wasn't nothing normal about that. 
but I, but the traumatized was overwhelming. I didn't know how to deal with it. So as far as what society said you should deal with it. So I dealt with the way I did to protect me. And I thought the way I did it was the, was good, but it wasn't. Um, but I'll just say from, from the grace of God, the grace of God that, that he was there, that he, you know, when I, when I allow myself to go and seek help, to get help, we're talking, you got to keep in mind that I went through all this bonus of 10 years isolation, uh, rapid thoughts, uh, having constant dreams all my life. And then when this happened, meaning, you know, right when I decided to go get help, I went straight to the VA hospital and I collapsed. I collapsed on the floor. I didn't. I was like, I weighed like 65 pounds. Uh, oh, Jesus. When I think about that, is number the grace of God, you know. But I, the, but I had a wonderful, wonderful uh, woman um, who was a psychologist who. Decided, she befriended me, the one, you know, to help me. And she, I remember, I'm going to say this real quick. Carol, the first three months, I wouldn't even talk. But yet I was going to my, you know, to my uh, uh, meetings with a therapist. Now, and it's interesting how I am a therapist now. And, you know, I look back every time like, wow. Now, she wouldn't even, she stayed, you know, she sat there, and one day I decided to ask her, like, you know, it's been like a couple of months that I, you know, sat here, don't say nothing to you. Well, why do you keep seeing me? She said, that's not about me, it's about you. And I want you to feel safe, that I'm just going to wait until you, you get to the point where you will speak out loud. That was so profound to me. Like, this woman didn't have to do that, but she did. And um, my holding journey began since um, the year 2000. And it was like it was yesterday, you know. Well, thank God you healed. I mean, you know, we will have, I'm not 100%. No one's ever going to be 100%, Michelle. I don't think so. But I, I always no. tell them on 95%. <laughs> Just to hear his mouth go. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I know he's listening. So anyway, uh, I think I am 95%. There. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I gotta go. I, I'm gonna try to be on tomorrow, Bill. I'm telling you right now. I took a bunch of medicine. I feel a little bit mm-hmm. better, but my stomach is still very sore, and I just feel sore all over. And I don't know what I have. Stay out of drugstores. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something. I will People go in there because they're sick. Okay. And I was in the drugstore for a couple of hours the other day, two days ago. And now I'm pretty damn sick, and I don't know what I've got. I do have mm-hmm. diverticulitis too. Another thing that can be brought on by stress and all this other stuff. Also, you can physically make yourself sick. Yes, yes, that is true. Yes. Yes. It will affect your um, physical. It will affect your body. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I think we we gave a lot of information now, and uh, that's good. We need to. People learn that way. And um, so anyway, this is the end of the show, and I will try to be on tomorrow. And um, let's see if I feel any better overnight. I don't know, because I don't know what I have, okay? But in the meantime, mm-hmm. everybody, happy Easter. Stay safe. Um, I don't know. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. See, that gives you a lot you can do. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, I'm teasing. Good night. 
Good night, everybody. And thank Good you, night, everyone. Michelle and Lori. Thank you, you so much. Okay. Good night. Good night, Good night, Good night. honey. Love Talk Radio. Okay. Oh, I got it off this. Oh, my God. Mm. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.